Great. Well, lovely to see everyone. Um, if you've got a Bible, could you um, find the book of Colossians in the New Testament? Um, if you haven't got a Bible in your hand or a phone, there are lots of Bibles out on the bookshelf. Do grab one. Um, it'd be helpful because we're going to look at a number of different places in Colossians through this evening. Um, tonight, we're thinking about the theme, making good work. Uh, by work, I don't mean the narrow definition of work that many of us would probably have of uh, paid employment. Now, every person in this room works. Uh, many work for an income, but we all work in different ways. And so if you're uh, working at home or whether you're working at school or if you're retired uh, or you're not in work, you're still working because work in the definition we're thinking of tonight is uh, all that God calls us to do uh, with our hands, with our mind, with our lives uh, day to day. So I hope this will help us as we think about work, not in that narrow sense, but in the broader sense. I started last week by quoting um, something from the DVD that we were watching, um, which said, most Christians don't really believe that the ordinary things they do have anything much to do with God's purposes. Uh, That's really the theme of what's happening in all these evenings for the next few weeks, trying to help redress uh, what's a big problem in the church, and often a problem for us, that perhaps that's what we think. I made the point that we can so easily get distracted. and So the challenge was, let's slow down and spend some time thinking about the lives that we have, thinking about the gifts and talents God has given us, thinking about the places he has placed us in for this specific season of our life, not worrying about what was behind, not worrying about what's in the future, but asking God, how can you use me today? How can I be a vessel for your love, your goodness in the world, in the places you've called me to be? Um, So that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. Uh, The book of Colossians is written uh, by the Apostle Paul to a church in a place called Colossae. That's modern-day Turkey. Um, It was a relatively new church. There are all sorts of different issues that the Apostle Paul addresses in this book, uh, uh, the letter to the Colossians. But one of the issues is that of distraction. Uh, This church was getting distracted from the the pure gospel that they had originally been taught. And I hope this will help us as we think about our work. So I'm going to do a a kind of whistle-stop tour through Colossians, just drawing your attention to a few key verses. Uh, If you grasp these verses, it'll help you understand the kind of flow of the whole letter. So just follow with me. Uh, You go to chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. This is a sort of summary statement of the gospel that uh, that Paul ends uh, the first half of chapter 1. Talking of Jesus... Uh, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is the sort of summary, uh, trying to remind these young Christians in this young church of all that they believe in the gospel. Uh, That's what we were really thinking of this morning, if you were here. What is the gospel? Then, go to chapter 2, Paul then wants to help them because they're being distracted from that glorious truth. And so he declares to them, chapter 2, 6 and 7, uh, two of my favourite verses in the Bible, uh, and are really perhaps the two best verses to explain what discipleship should be for Christian believers. Paul says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. It's this kind of image or picture, isn't it, of a tree planted and the roots go down deep. Uh, And the Apostle Paul wants uh, his church to know um, that when our roots are in Christ, that means when we belong to him, when we put our trust in him, we will grow up to be strong and be fruitful. Just like a tree that puts its roots deep into the soil 
and then it is able to bear fruit. So that's the challenge. Then move forward to chapter 3. Having explained the gospel and tackled some of the challenges the Colossian church has, he then sort of changes tack a bit in chapter 3, verse 1. And he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. That's a description saying, since you've put your trust in him, believing in his death and his resurrection, the life that he gives you, set your hearts on things above. We've talked lots, haven't we, about the heart being the center of who we are as human beings. It's the the place where our affections uh, burn deepest. Set that, your inner being, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. He's not saying um, the physical things we do day to day no longer matter. Just kind of think about God and don't worry about life. It's all pretty meaningless anyway. Uh, And just wait for God to rescue you. He's not talking about that. The Apostle Paul has a very rich theology of life. Uh, Physical stuff really matters. It really matters to God. And that means that our work really, really matters to God. So when it says set your mind on things above, it's not saying think about God and don't worry about your work. In this context, it's saying as you do your work, acknowledge that God is the one who's gifted you with the ability to do it. And let all that God has done for you shape the way that you do your work. Um, So it's not a kind of spiritual and physical separation. Actually, the two come together. Who Christ is should dramatically impact the way that we live our lives day to day. And then a little bit later on in chapter 3, Um, Paul's been describing what that then will look like and he's given some instructions of uh, how this could look like what this could look like in the Christian home Uh, you'll see there under the heading if you've got a blue bible instructions for Christian households he's just kind of painting a picture what could this look like for wives what could this look like for husbands children fathers slaves but the key thing is he pulls all of these different illustrations together at the end and he says in chapter 3 verse 23 and this is what we're going to think about tonight Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And that's what we're going to spend uh, some moments thinking about in a bit more detail. We're going to watch uh, another little video clip, it's about nine minutes long, which will help set the scene, uh, and then we'll have a bit of time for a bit more feedback a little bit of uh, discussion in ones and twos. Um, But have a look at this video as uh, Mark Green tries to help us to grasp how the Christian gospel and our work can fit together. Thanks. One of the things I've had to do recently is to paint two of my kids' rooms. Vibrant touch of teal in one of them and cobalt blue in the other. You might think them rather bright, I couldn't possibly comment. I'm just incredibly relieved they actually like them. We all have things to do, don't we? But why do they matter to God? things to do, whether we're employed or unemployed, whether we're students or retired, whether our front line is our sports club or a charity shop. There are spaces to tidy, calls to make, as well as bricks to lay, goods to sell, machines to fix, reports to write. Do you think 
any of this actually is important to God? Do you think any of it could somehow be part of his glorious universe transforming purposes in time and eternity? Get real. But the Bible is crystal clear. Here's Paul writing to the Christians in Colossae. And in chapter three, he says this to slaves. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do. Now, what precisely has he left out? Whatever you do, Paul writes, work at it with all your hearts as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, the Lord God, the king of the universe, would hardly ask us to do whatever we do with all our heart, unless it were of some significance to him, even if lots of the things we do day by day don't feel very significant to us. But why is whatever we do significant? Well, Paul gives us a reason in this verse. It's important because we're doing it for God. Do whatever you do as working for the Lord. So whether we have a boss or not, whether we're paid or not, it is the Lord Christ we're serving, which is a privilege. How do we do things for someone we love? Enthusiastically, carefully, as well as we can. And how might we do things for God, whom we love? Enthusiastically, carefully, as well as we can, but also worshipfully, gratefully, humbly, prayerfully. So we do whatever we do for God and for his glory. That's our motivation. I wonder what's God's purpose in this? Why are these tasks important to him? How do all these little things that we do fit in with his big purposes in time and eternity? Keith is a decorator in Bolton. He's been self-employed for 25 years, changing rooms, changing houses. And for the first 10 years of his life, I don't suppose Keith would say that he really involved God in his work much at all. He was just doing it to earn the money. Then one day he had a car crash. The car completely flipped over. And that caused Keith to reevaluate his relationship with God. From then on, he had two aims, to earn money and to give money away to his church and to charities. And it was like that for 12 or 13 years. Then one day, after a talk in church, a light bulb went on in his head and he suddenly realised that when he's decorating, he's helping other people lead the lives they need to lead. He's helping a woman with a sick husband because she simply can't do the decorating. He's helping an older man who can't do the DIY anymore. He's helping a family with a disabled child make the kind of home that really works for them. He's serving God by serving people. He's not really doing anything very different in the actual work, but it totally changed his mindset. As he said to me, I'm not working for money anymore. I'm not working to give money away to the church. I'm doing it for God. That's my service. And it's totally transformed my life. So work is 
service to God. Work is a gift God has given us so we can serve other people, whether we're paid or we aren't paid. You stack shelves with the label facing forwards so the right product is clearly seen. Thank you. You empty our rubbish bins rather tidily so that we don't become a fast food restaurant for the local foxes. Thank you. You make a computer that's easy to use. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You craft a guitar that sounds wondrous. Thank you, Mr. Fender. Every task we do has the potential to make other people's lives a little bit better or a lot better. And that's one of its primary purposes. And we see the same thing in God's work of creation. Why does God create Adam on the sixth day and not on the first? Why on day six and not on day one? Answer, because if God had created Adam on day one, it would have been dark and there would have been nowhere to stand. The point is that by the time God creates Adam, he's got everything ready for him. There's air to breathe, water to drink, delicious, nutritious food to eat, animals to look after, purposeful work to be done, and the whole place is just gorgeous. What has God done? God, who is love, has created a context for human flourishing. That was the big project. God's work brings order, provision, joy, beauty. God's work creates a context for human flourishing, just as Keith's filling and sanding and painting helps to create a context for the flourishing of the people he serves. You see, changing rooms can indeed be part of God's grand design. Yes, our work, all work, has been affected by the fall, by human rebellion. Yes, it's often not easy. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. The coving falls down. A splodge of cobalt blue splashes onto that freshly painted white skirting. There is frustration and waste and disappointment. But that does not mean that human work has lost its original purpose to contribute to human flourishing to the glory of God. It's still part of God's plan for each of us. Eden was perfect and there was work to be done. Our world is imperfect and there's work to be done. As we've seen before, Christ died not only to save people, but to inaugurate the restoration and renewal of the whole universe. And one of the ways we participate in that is through our daily activities. Our brushstrokes can be part of God's bigger picture. Of course, you don't need to be a Christian to paint a room beautifully. Still, as disciples of the Carpenter King, we seek to consciously, intentionally do whatever we do for Jesus, to ask for his wisdom and his spirit to help us to do it, and to pray that he would use our work to bless others to his glory. Who knows what he may do through it? As Psalm 90 says, may the Lord Establish the work of your hands. God be with you in everything you do this week. Great. Um, let me just uh, reflect on that video, on some of the 
passages in Colossians perhaps reflect on some of the things we were looking at together last week. We're all on a spectrum. For some, this is completely new and we're not really grasping it. Others, we've thought about these sort of issues a lot uh, and we've still got to continue to work, work at them. Um, I'd love to hear just a few of your reflections on perhaps something we've been thinking of. It could be a question, it could be a comment, it could be an encouragement, uh, it could be a frustration, but it'd be great for us to edify each other with uh, how we're experiencing this. So I'd love just one or two to be brave and say something. Eliza's going to be my super fast runner with the mic. Thanks, Eliza. So do grab your, uh, stick your hand up. Um, she'll run round to you. But it'd just be lovely to hear a few reflections uh, from just maybe two or three people. Great. Stuart, Stuart behind you. Thanks. I thought I'd break the silence. Um, uh, how do you, this is a question um, rather than a, a statement, um, how do you uh, reconcile uh, ambition in that um, Obviously, if you're in a job where you're doing it for the Lord, you, you must be content in that if, because if that's it. Um, but there is, in most people or a lot of people, certainly in me, uh, ambition. And you go, well, how does that marry up with this work that you're doing for God? Hmm. That's great. Maybe I shouldn't have uh, offered <laughs> questions. <laughs> it always comes back to bite you, doesn't it? Uh, it is a great question. Um, I actually reflect on this a lot um, when I work with Christians in sport, when we were helping people and helping, uh, thinking through ourselves, what's the difference between the kind of drivenness that you need to be a sort of top sports performer versus just being a very gifted sports player and kind of where's... Uh, so I, feel, I think, thought about it a bit. Um, haven't worked at it so much in the world of work. I think it's a great question, though. Um, I, I guess this passage is really helpful because it, it does remind us uh, whatever we do, we're working... Um, for the Lord, uh, not for human masters. Um, it's the Lord Christ we're serving. I think ambition is a really good thing. Uh, we've got to remember that God has wired us all differently. Uh, he's wired some people to be real high achievers, and that's a wonderful thing. Uh, he's wired some people with just big engines. They can just work really, really hard and long, and uh, it's how he's wired them. Some are not wired like that. And it's not about one being more useful to God and, and not, uh, not the other. But I guess it's probably the answer to the question in some sense might be think about your own temperament, the way God has wired you. I think a lot of these things are down to motive. What is it that's driving us um, to be ambitious uh, in the world of paid work or any kind of work is a good thing. We want to be the best that God has created us to be. Uh, laziness, um, falling short of all that he would want in our life is a great sadness. It's the wasting of gifts and talents. Um, but I guess there's a, there's a fine line, isn't there? And this is where kind of conscience may come in and maybe the wisdom of others. What's the line between I want to excel, I want to be the best, but a kind of drivenness that perhaps begins to lose sight of who I'm working for? Um, I don't think it's a clear answer, partly because I don't, I don't know that there is a clear answer to the question. I'd love to hear if others have got thoughts on it. But I would challenge us to think about um, where our hearts are in it. Um, is working harder or, or striving for excellence going to help me to better serve God and to be a blessing to others? Or is it going to bring out in me maybe attributes that aren't so healthy? Um, that might be a beginning to help. Andrew's got a comment. That would be good to hear from you. Yeah, I guess a comment on the ambition, having worked in a very an environment where a lot of people were very ambitious. Can you, where, where did you work, for those who don't know? Uh, so I suppose I'm thinking of working in the pharmaceutical industry alongside scientists and medics who were seeking to get to the higher management levels. And a lot of what I saw in other people's ambition was not Christ-like behaviour, because they weren't Christians. 
Um, so they were prepared to be manipulative, to do other people down, um, to do that to get higher on the ladder. And I would think as Christians we're called to not behave in that way. Um, I was trying to think if I could say that I never actually asked for a promotion. That's probably almost true. Um, I think that in Christ's humbleness, that's probably the right sort of way that I would feel that you should behave. And that through your own diligence, you're invited into promotion. Mm. Um, I guess the other comment I was just going to make was that on the video, he didn't actually say anything about the fact that almost all of us in work work alongside other people. And therefore, you know, that's a key again and for me about how we behave in the work setting, mm. um, that we illustrate Christ-like behaviours. Mm. And that can... I certainly found that incredibly challenging at times when I was asked to do things that I wasn't comfortable to do and it's hard to, to stand firm and refuse to do things that you don't think are um, right as a Christian but might be right from a business sense. For example, you know, it, I guess the, the obvious example is it's all about money, you know, profit before people. Um, then it becomes very challenging as, for us as Christians, I think. Yeah, thank you. I think I was particularly struck on the video. He said, um, one of the things he said is, you can serve God by serving people. And so I guess thinking about, will this promotion or will this ambition help me to better use my gifts and better serve others? If it will, it's a wonderful thing to aspire to. Um, but I know a lot of people who very deliberately haven't taken opportunities to promote their, um, to gain promotion in work, um, simply because they felt the better thing was to work where they currently were or the better thing was to have more time with their family. And if they had a, less money but had more time as a family, that was a choice they made. Um, and I think that's really helpful. How can I best serve others? Because it's really interesting how this passage teaches us that uh, we best serve God by serving others. Um, yeah. Any other comments? I'd love to hear from other people's wisdom on this. Just love that challenge. Whatever you do, do for the Lord. And I think it completely flips your attitude to whatever you're doing. So... The idea of painting a wall or if you're making a coffee for somebody or cooking or making the beds or emptying the bins, mowing the lawn, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for the Lord. And I think if you have that mindset, it can actually completely flip your attitude to maybe doing some stuff that you don't actually like doing very much. Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Simon. Uh, Leslie, oh, oh, go, go, um, go, go to Leslie and then back to Rob. Good, Eliza, you're doing a fab job. Much faster than I was last week. Thank you, um, <clears throat> many years ago, I worked as a healthcare assistant at Chilton House. And this is a motto, and I think it's probably from Matthew, that I carried through from then into my other job as a receptionist at the health centre. And it was do unto others as you would have them do to you. Because at Chilton House, we had to deal with some quite difficult things. Um, I never wanted to be a nurse when I was younger, but... Um, I found it very rewarding. People who had had strokes and things, they couldn't do things for themselves. And you felt that you were helping them by doing that. It was just a simple thing, really, but, you know, it was part, and it was part of our job. But it was rewarding to be able to do it for them because they couldn't do it for themselves. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Lizzie. Liza, up here with Rob. It's interesting because uh, I was chatting with a friend here this morning 
uh, and we were both we're both in similar lines of work and um, he was saying just how stressful it was at the moment and um, I said something I said, it says in the Bible I can't remember where it is about you know doing everything you do as if unto the Lord I can't quite remember it so it's been really helpful tonight because I know where it is now um, but I think one thing is about um, the way God treats us in a way that we don't deserve and I think when we're in hard situations in the workplace or the home or wherever we do our work you might think oh these people just don't deserve this I mean I work with some people and some stuff is their job and if they don't do their job I end up looking bad in front of the customer so my motive might be well I'll do some of the work so that I'm covered but a better motive is actually maybe I could bless you by doing what isn't actually my job you don't deserve it and I'm sure they do that to me as well <laughs> but um, so about deserving I think is an important part in how we do our work do it as if to the Lord not because people deserve it necessarily because I certainly don't deserve what people do for me um, but it's, I found that a helpful motivation mm. yeah thanks Rob that's really helpful great come on here to Darren I found that um, this evening really helpful for me because Nick and I are getting to that time in life when we are stopping what we would have called purposeful employment and actually sitting in bed this morning with a cup of tea, we were discussing when I could give up work. And I said, I'm not ready yet to stop serving people and helping people. And, you know, I was seeing it very much as defined between going to work and doing something where you could see you obviously making a difference and and trying to think of things at home to do that, or out of the home which would actually be of some value. It's very easy when you go to work to you know, call an ambulance for somebody or um, pat their hand or make an appointment for them if it's, or do something. Mm. Um, but um, then when you retire, you've got to think. Um, I was thinking that what I was doing wouldn't necessarily be purposeful, but I, I found that really helpful this evening. Thank you. Mm. Thanks, Darren. Great. Grab a seat, Eliza. Thanks for your running around. Just look at that phrase again, whatever you do, how that comes in verse 23. Uh, what it does imply is that we are all called to do. It doesn't imply that we're all called to work. Um, remember Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We are called to do, and work's a good thing. I think one of the things that uh, we often get wrong, probably because of the pressure, and he touched on it in the video, didn't he, that work is hard because of the fall. Before the fall, work was a good thing. Work is what God gave his people to help us to be creative, to use the gifts that we've got. Uh, but he does want us to do, but what that also implies is we're all called to do different things. Uh, and I want to particularly encourage those of you who um, aren't in paid work, those of you who've retired, uh, you can still be incredibly fruitful in your work to serve God. Uh, many of you serve in really hidden ways, um, uh, maybe serving by cleaning. Uh, no one sees it. Um, serving by visiting uh, someone who's sick or elderly uh, and struggling. Uh, and no one sees it. But the amazing thing is God does see it. And I love the fact that this verse tells us that it's the Lord God we're serving. And when you remind yourself of who he is, he sees everything. Um, so if just turn back to Colossians chapter 1. Our motivation is to work for the Lord, not men. It's the Lord Christ we're serving. But just to help you and remind you, who is this Lord Christ that we serve? 
I'd like you just quietly in your hearts to read chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Just allow the depth of the richness of this little passage to remind you who Jesus is. Just for those who don't have a Bible, I'm just going to read those verses and you can just listen again quietly. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Just two um, comments about those verses. Isn't that the most amazing picture of how beautiful Jesus is? You've got this sort of power that spoke and brought the cosmos into being, and yet you've got the sense that he has died on the cross for you. It's the intimacy and the personal nature of him. It's a beautiful character of Jesus. Uh, If we ever need a motivation to want to serve... Uh, particularly a motivation to serve when it's hard or when no one sees it is that not a perfect motivation thinking about the way he has perfectly served us in outrageous ways that we don't deserve Um, but not only is it a beautiful picture of a beautiful man it's also a picture of a very powerful man um, who will enable us to serve him when we face frustration in our work when we can't see what heavenly good our work could ever be We see here a picture of a God who has all power, who can take us in our weakness, can take us in the mistakes we make, can take us in the joys and the the things we do well in our work. But he can work it all out for his glory. And so we don't need to despair. Uh, There's a real power in the name of Jesus. And I love the fact, too, that when you read here of Jesus being creator, if you are the creator of everything, there's one truth. It means you see everything. Which means there's never a single minute of your day that God doesn't see. And there's no ounce of any of the work that you ever do that passes him by. And I hope that gives us a great motivation to want to serve him with all of our heart. Because he sees it all. And it talks here about, um, in in our uh, verses we looked at, uh, uh, in chapter 3, about one day we will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's a wonderful thing to work towards that... I long that one day when I stand before God, he will look to me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. By the grace that God has given me, I hope and pray I've been able to serve him. And I know that that's what each of us would long for him to say. Um, But there's this amazing reward waiting for us in heaven. Uh, And what joy for us, not just to be waiting for that time, but also to use the time now to best serve him in response to everything he's done for us. What I'd like you to do is just turn to the person next to you Um, And think about the phrase, uh, work at it with all of your heart. And I've just got two questions for you to reflect on. First question is, what would that look like for you? The place God has put you today or tomorrow morning, what would it look like for you to serve him with all of your heart? And second question, uh, what is your biggest opposition to doing this? What's the biggest thing that will be difficult and stop you from doing that? Okay, turn in pairs, work at it with all of your heart. What does that look like for you and why will that be hard? Just spend a couple of minutes together.
can I um, interrupt you? To keep us talking about work and not uh, football or what we're having for dinner. Let's pull us together. I'm sure we're not talking about that. Um, I, hope, I hope it's helpful. Um, we're not doing this sort of format in the evenings all the time, but many people have said they do find it helpful. And I'd encourage you, don't just let this kind of place be the forum where you share ideas. I think one of the purposes of time after church isn't just to rush and grab a coffee and, and chat, but actually to try and think through some of the stuff we're learning together. And it's great to learn. I've learned a lot just listening to some of your answers today and questions. And I'd encourage you just to keep uh, helping each other to keep learning and be those disciples. Um, just one, one thing to help you if you're uh, we're thinking through in those questions about how tomorrow could be difficult. Uh, if you look back at chapter 3 of Colossians, last time we'll look at it. Uh, I go on about this all the time. Uh, I say context is the single most important thing for understanding the meaning of a passage. And here's another great example. Um, but notice how before all the instructions come of, of examples of how we can live from verses 18 onwards and then that summary in 23. Notice uh, what Paul has said in verse 12 onwards. This might help us with some of the difficulties in our work. Uh, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. And we looked at that uh, last week, didn't we? Uh, what does it look like to clothe ourselves? Uh, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's wonderful how Paul often talks about attitudes before he talks about commands, what we're to do, because how we do what we do really, really matters to him. So I'd encourage you just perhaps maybe take those verses home with you and pray them through this week and ask God to help you to apply and grow within you by his spirit some of those virtues that when work is difficult will stick out um, I think actually when we're under pressure as Christians that's when we're most watched and it's when we have the most opportunity to be different uh, one or two of you mentioned that last week um, so I encourage you with those verses uh, John could you just uh, come up just uh, for the last five minutes or so um, uh, many of us know you work uh, as a lawyer um, and you sort of help manage others. Uh, what would be really helpful, um, we don't want to so, so much hear about your work, though that's important, but what we particularly want to do is hear from you how, how you, as you've reflected on these verses and some of these things, how is that going to impact you tomorrow? So just give us an outline of what you'll be doing this week uh, and a little flavour of some of the challenges you're going to have and how some of what we've been thinking about might help you as you reflect. Thank you. I haven't had any preparation for these questions, so... So this week I've got to hold, I've got to chair um, a policy meeting with all 19 of us, partners in the business, around a table, and we've got to sort ourselves out as to what we're going to be doing over the next six months. Um, and I think that ever since I came into the job, what's been really, really helpful for me is to uh, make sure that I'm doing exactly what we've been learning tonight, which is to face, face God in, in what I'm doing every day, is, is to actually just make sure that every single morning I'm orientating myself back to God so that he's at the top. And so that I, I know that he is the Lord of everything, he is the creator of the universe, and he's placed me, for some reason, in the position that I'm in in my business. And... It's important, therefore, that I have him 
right at the centre of that so that I know that what I'm going into is the place that he's already sorted out, prepared, and, and he's already doing his work, and I'm part of that, and I've got to fit into that. I've got to slot into what he wants me to do, uh, not to sort of go off and frolics of my own and do things for my own selfish ambition. Stuart. Um, and I think that and, that, and what was hugely helpful to me, I think, recently when Mark was talking about idolatry and counterfeit gods is a great book. I recommend it to anyone who wants to learn about idolatry. Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller is just helping me to understand that it's so important to have God right at the centre every day. And he's already at work, he's gone before you, and he just wants you to slot in. And one last question, a really practical one. Uh, I guess we, most of us, I hope, will sort of agree with the theory of this. We want to hold God front and centre. We want him to lead us into our work. When you're in the heat of it in the workplace, when you, you're part, the pressure's suddenly piled in, you get that difficult email or that yeah. tricky conversation, yeah. just give us a really practical tip of something you have done that's really helped you to reorientate your heart, to keep your eyes fixed on him. Uh, just praying, praying all the time. I have to say, over the last three or four years since I've been doing this job, Praying all the time in all circumstances is so releasing. And it's, I never ever used to do it. I, I must confess to you all that I probably spent the large part of my working life prior to doing this job not really taking the idea that God was going to help me if I prayed all the time in every situation. So um, when it says in Scripture, and I can't remember the verse, pray at all times and in all places for, you know, for, for everything that you're doing. That is the key. And, I, and, and just one very quick example of that, um, it, 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 where, where I just found myself in a situation where I needed God to intervene in a very, very dramatic and divine way um, with something that someone was really, really struggling with and the person that uh, was normally going to be helping them was away. And I was able to... And I just didn't know what to do, so I had to go and I went up. And I said to the person, "Right, I'll be back. So I'm going to I'm going upstairs, and then I'm going to come back down again." <laughs> so I went up to the top of my. I, I work on the top floor of my office at the moment, and she was on the ground floor. So I went upstairs. I sat at my desk, um, and I just prayed to the Lord that He would help me with this. And um, came back downstairs again and the person who was going to be helping her with this particular issue had just rung to say I've just got back and I'm sorting it all out <laughs> and I just said to her and that's because I went upstairs and prayed because I didn't know what to do <laughs> and so it gives you opportunities in your workplace if you are if you're facing God every morning and you're asking him for your strength and for him to work in your workplace or whatever you're doing um, because you're doing that he will then begin to start opening up opportunities for you to naturally say to others, this is because of the Lord. Thanks, John. Well, um, the, the band are going to lead us in a closing song, so as they come up to prepare, I'm going to ask John to pray. We're all going to work tomorrow, all of us, in different ways. And, uh, John, could you just lead us yeah. all in a prayer, yeah. asking that God would take the work of our hands tomorrow and use it for his glory yeah. so that we can serve others. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the creator of the universe we know that we've been we hear about that uh, all the way through scripture and you've uh, you've been uh, before anything was created you were and we've been hearing about jesus who came 
into the world to save us but we know Jesus that you were before all things and that everything was created through you and for your glory and so as we think about that and we hold on to those truths I pray Lord that for everyone here that you would enable each one of us tomorrow to turn our faces to you to see how splendid you are how glorious you are how perfect and holy you are and because of that that we would be able to go out into our various situations every single one represented here different from the other and yet in every single place you are at work you go before us in everything and you are working in every situation in every single person's life that we might meet tomorrow and the next day for all that's going on you are already at work Lord and I pray for everyone here Lord that you would show us what you're doing in our situations this week and that you would show us what we're supposed to be doing because we're listening to you and because we're being attentive to what you want us to do so I pray for your Holy Spirit Lord that you'd come upon all of us that you would live in us that you'd work through us so that we might live and work to your praise and for your glory in Jesus name Amen <laughs>